Good morning again. Thank you for being here. We're so grateful for your presence. If you are visiting with us, we certainly want you to know how much we appreciate you coming our way. Please come back. We'd love to have you. I want to say thank you to Paul for all of his work this past week, trying to get everything coordinated. It's been quite an endeavor, but we've got new floors, and they look great, and we appreciate him and all the work that he has put in over the past couple of three months or so. And thank you, and always appreciate Paul and the good work that he does, and so we pray God's blessings for him. We're looking today at Luke 22. I want to encourage you to turn with me to Luke 22, the passage James read a moment ago. I do want to invite you back again at 1 p.m. We're going to be talking about a second thing concerning our lesson today. We're going to be looking this morning at the theme, The Devil Wants to Destroy You. And then this afternoon, we're going to talk about how we can defeat the devil. And so I hope you'll come back. We're going to look at some ways that we can overcome or tame the temptations of this life. And so I want to direct your attention to Luke chapter 22 in our study today. In our context, Jesus, as you well know, is approaching Gethsemane. And then from Gethsemane, he would make his way to Calvary to die for the sins of the human family. And so in this particular text, Jesus in the shadow of the cross speaks not only to Simon Peter, but to all the apostles and tells them of the devil's desire to destroy them, to separate them from their Savior. So what I want us to do is look at this text. Let's just think for a moment or two. Now, we talk sometimes about the devil and the work of the devil. And so, first and foremost, let's just consider together the fact that we have here the threat of a foe. And not just any foe, but rather we're talking about the devil and the deeds of the devil. There are a couple of thoughts here that I want to share with you. Number one, the devil is incredibly deceptive, isn't he? You remember in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul would talk about being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And he said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes. We get our word methods from this term. And the idea is that the devil has a methodology. He attacks those of us who belong to the human family. He's not an ally, but rather he is an adversary, as the Lord certainly makes that known in this particular text. And so the devil tries to deceive, doesn't he? Now, the methods that the devil uses haven't really changed since going back to the Garden of Eden. He uses the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And listen. When Jesus was confronted with the devil, you remember as recorded by Luke in Luke chapter 4? The Bible tells us he used those very same methods or strategies to cause the Lord to abort his work. And so the devil is highly deceptive. But then not just deceptive, but he is destructive. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Everywhere the devil has been, he always leaves a wake of destruction, doesn't he? I mean, look at the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. 
Here they are in the garden. They're enjoying fellowship with God. They have every want met, every need met. And then the devil comes, the serpent, and he deceives them. As a result of that, what happens? Well, sin makes its way into the world. And because of sin, man began to die in the garden. Now, there was physical death that became a reality after the transgression. But not just physical death, but also spiritual death, separation from God. And so in Genesis 3.15, what did God do on behalf of man? He introduced the promised seed. That promise to bring a Savior into the world. Why? To redeem us from sin. And so when the Lord speaks to His disciples in our lesson text today, He tells them right up front that Satan has asked for them to sift them as wheat. So we talk about his deeds, but then let me just ask this question. What was his full intent here? I mean, what was his desire? Now, the text says that Satan asked, but really in the original it's stronger than that. And the idea is that Satan desired Peter and the other apostles. He wanted them all. The devil thinks that the world belongs to him, doesn't he? Either as a result of our surrendering our will to him, or it might be that he considers us as his in prospect. And that is, he'll deceive us. He'll become such a vibrant part of our life that we won't leave him. And so the Lord here is saying to Simon Peter and the apostles, Look, Satan asked for you. He's desired you. And why? That he might sift you as wheat. Now you remember, you remember in ancient times, they would, take, they would take those kernels and throw them into the air. It would separate the wheat from the, shat, from the chaff. And the idea is that the wheat was good, the chaff bad. Figuratively speaking, the wheat and the chaff represent good and evil. And so what the devil intended to do was to separate these men from the Savior. That was his whole intent. And let me tell you this, Satan wants to separate you from God today. He's intent on that. And so I think about the threat from this foe, an ancient foe. But then in the second place, there is what I would call a trusted friend. That would be Jesus. Now Jesus warns Simon, warns him about what the devil wants to do. So what about this warning? Why would he warn him? Because he understands there's a crisis looming, isn't there? Trouble is coming. And what the Lord wanted these men to know was you need to understand. There's somebody out here battling for your eternal soul. That somebody is Satan, your adversary. And so to recognize right up front that his desire is to destroy, to separate you from the Lord that you've been serving for the last three years or so. You remember when he called you into service? Remember when the Lord called you into service? Sure, Peter. 
Sure, John. Sure, James. They could remember. But now he's saying, look, the devil is going to try to the best of his ability to encroach upon your life. So what about, what about this warning? It would require two things. Number one, vision to see what the devil was all about. And then number two, vigilance. You think Peter learned something from this? You remember what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5? Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary of the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. To be vigilant, to be on guard. That's what Peter's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Peter, I want you guys to be on guard. Why? Because the devil's after you. His intent is to separate you. Look at our text very quickly. Listen again to what the Lord said. Simon, Simon, indeed. Satan has asked or demanded for you that he may sift you as wheat. But now note, not just the warning, but the work of Jesus. The Lord said, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now you remember down in verse 34, Jesus would say emphatically to Peter, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. So he's putting them on, on notice. The devil's coming. And not just Peter, but all the apostles. Go back, for example, and look at Matthew chapter 26, which is a parallel account to some extent. And Jesus said, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Talking about the disciples who would flee under this hour of trial. So we have here a glimpse of what we might call the intercessory work of Jesus on our behalf. Wouldn't it be comforting and encouraging to know as Peter and the other disciples knew in the first century as affirmed by Jesus that He had prayed for them that their faith would not fail? that the Lord was praying on their behalf. Now, think about what Paul would write over in Romans chapter 8. He talks about how Christ died, rose again, seated at the right hand of God, and he said, who also makes intercession for us. In Hebrews chapter 7 at verse 25, the Hebrew writer said that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. So here's the Lord interceding on our behalf as He was for Peter and the other apostles. Paul would say He not only functions as an intercessor, but He is our mediator. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. He said there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. 
So Jesus functions on our behalf as He did in the long ago. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see in our study. Now, we talk about this ancient foe that sought to harm the faith of the apostles, Peter specifically. And then there is this trusted friend, Jesus, the Son of God. Can we trust Him today? Sure we can. Do you think the Lord wants us to succeed in life or fail? You think He wants us to have a strong faith or a faith that will wilt under pressure? Now to understand something about trial and temptation, if our faith is not what it ought to be, if we're not growing in the faith, then the problem might very well be when trouble, trial, temptation come our way, we fold. There was a momentary lapse in the life of Simon Peter, wasn't there? Did you note at the beginning he called him Simon? Peter or Cephas means what? Rock. Really a pebble. But here he uses the name Simon. Does it use the word Peter? Suggesting that at this point in time, under the crisis that was looming that he wouldn't be the rock that he needed to be, that he wouldn't have the strength, the spiritual fortitude to stand as he ought to stand, that he would wilt under pressure. Can we learn from the trials and temptations of life? Yes, we can. Remember what James said, can it all joy when you fall into various trials? Those outward trials of life, he also talks about temptation and the work of the devil and how the devil seeks to bait us. But every victory over trial and temptation does what? It strengthens us, doesn't it? Makes us stronger. When we're in the middle of a storm in life, and I'm talking about things are out of control, circumstances that are just unbelievable, unfolding before our eyes, and we wonder how we're going to get out of this, how we're going to somehow make it to the end. But because of a strong faith, we make it to the end. Then we look back and we think, you know what, I learned some things from that. Learned something about myself. Learned something about those who are members of the body of Christ and the strength that they afforded me in my hour of trial. Why? Because Paul would say that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We stand united together, don't we? The apostles were in, they, they were really meant to stand together, to be strong together. And the devil wants to destroy them because why? Because these men are God's ambassadors. God's going to use these men to literally turn the world upside down. So if Satan can come between Peter and the other apostles, what's that going to do to the work? Will it hamper the kingdom of God? Is it possible that the devil thought, okay, I can put a roadblock in the plans of Almighty God to bring about the redemptive plan that had been foretold of back in Genesis chapter 3? Now there is a third thing I want to share with you. We talk about this foe, this threatening foe, a trusted friend, but then thirdly, there's what I would call triumphant conquest. Let's just talk for a minute or two about the claim or confidence of the Apostle Peter. 
There are two things that come to mind when I began to contemplate the life of Peter. Number one, he was bold, wasn't he? Not just bold, but he was brash. We might say a little bit cocky. You know people like that? I mean, they, they'll tell you exactly what they think. And they will often speak before they think through what they're saying. So here's Peter. The Lord's been telling them, look, I'm going to leave you. I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven. And Peter and the other apostles are affirming their willingness to stand with the Lord. So listen to what, listen to what Peter said. Back in verse 31 again, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But now listen to Peter. Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. You think he believed in his heart of hearts that if push came to shove, He'd go to prison for the cause of Christ? Yes. You think he really believed that if he needed to die for Jesus, then that's how it would be. Again, you go back and read Matthew's account in chapter 26. And Jesus talking about striking the shepherd and the sheep of the flock being scattered. He's talking about the apostles there. And Peter said, look, even though all me all be made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Affirming again his willingness to die for Jesus. And then Mark adds this, and so said all his disciples. They all believed in their heart of hearts that they would die if the need arose. But in that hour of trial, what happened? Gone. Gone. So his confidence. Peter was a man of great confidence. And nothing wrong with being confident. I think we need to be confident. But there's a danger sometimes in being overconfident. And he was overconfident in this situation. Now there's a second thing. We talk about the confidence, the claim of Peter. But then secondly, the contrition of Peter. Now note again the prophecy of our Lord. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny me three times. Jesus right up front saying, Peter, before that rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. You think Peter really believed that? Well, something to be said about that rooster. Because when that rooster crowed, you remember Luke, well, I'll tell you what, just look with me very quickly. Drop down and look at what Luke records. Down in verse 60, Peter said, I do not know what you're saying because this lady had said, Surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then verse 62, a penitent heart. Peter went out and wept bitterly. So what does that say? That says that wasn't the end of the story, was it? Now, Jesus talks about the great future that He has. He said, look, I prayed for you that your faith, that your faith will not fail you. After you have returned to me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to strengthen the brethren. So what about His conquest? Sometimes when we make mistakes in life, sometimes when maybe we make grave mistakes in life, we have the idea that we're through, we're finished. And sometimes, sadly, we have the idea that God can no longer use us. Listen, that is not the case, is it? Peter had denied the Lord three distinct times. And yet, the Lord Jesus said, I need you, Peter. Read John chapter 21. When Jesus speaks very candidly to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Oh, I love you. Peter, do you love I love you. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. All right, so what about the conquest of Peter? Here's a guy that fell flat on his face. Here's a guy that no doubt disappointed not just himself, but the Lord. The Lord knew he was going to forsake him. The Lord knew that he would deny him. But you just think about that look that Jesus gave him. That one look. The Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Did God use Peter in a great way? Well, on Pentecost Day, when the gospel is being preached in all of its fullness, who's the one doing the preaching as recorded by Luke? Now, I think the, all, all the apostles were preaching. We just have a record of Peter. And Peter is standing strong, isn't he? The Peter that you read about prior to the death of Jesus is different. How so? He's strong and bold and brave. Over in chapter 4, when Peter and John, they're threatened. They're charged not to preach or teach in the name of Christ. Remember what Peter said? Along with John, we can't but speak the things we've seen and heard. So here's a man that fell flat on his face, disappointed himself and no doubt the Lord, and yet became a great preacher in the Lord's church. Not only was he a preacher, he was a penman, wasn't he? Didn't Peter write by inspiration two epistles? And wasn't it Peter who would later write under the supervision of the Holy Spirit be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then in verse 9 he said, Whom we stand steadfast in the faith. Peter, did you learn something? Yes. Did you learn something about yourself? Absolutely. Did you learn something about the forgiving Spirit of God? Yes. Did you learn something about how God can still use you even though you made a blunder in life? Yes. So what about you? Listen, if you were perfect, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need the Lord, would we? 
no matter how good we think we are, we still need the Lord, don't we? I'm thankful that when the Apostle Peter denied the Lord, that wasn't the end of the story. That wasn't the rest of the story. But rather, the rest of the story was that this man went on to become a great ambassador for the Lord. Peter became a walking billboard for what God, through Christ, can do in the life of a person. He had that kind of effect or impact on the life of Peter. And he had that same impact on your life. So you think about where you are in life. And let's just say maybe your life's not been what it ought to be. And maybe you're not pleased with where you are in this life. And maybe you feel like you have made an absolute mess of your life. It might be that you're in the body of Christ. And maybe in the hour of trial or temptation, for whatever reason, you folded. And in your heart of hearts, you say, you know what? God can't use me. I'm done. I beg to differ. He used the apostle Peter and he can use you. And use all of us. Sometimes when we look back on our past and we think about the things that we've said and done, places we've been, maybe we're not proud of those things. But listen, it's not about the past, it's about the present, isn't it? Doesn't matter what you were, it matters what you are. Did Peter make a tremendous mistake? Yes. But God wasn't finished with him. And I really believe that if we have a willing spirit, if we're willing to turn our lives back toward the Lord, He can use us in a great way. So my question to you, number one, are you a Christian? Have you become a disciple of Jesus, a learner? On Pentecost Day, when the Apostle Peter preached that lesson, the Bible says that those people were cut they were pricked. That word convicted them of where they were. And so they wanted to know, what do we need to do? And Peter said, you need to repent and be baptized so that you might enjoy the forgiveness of your sins. Now listen. Those folks had already been indicted by Peter as having crucified and slain the Son of God. Can you think of anything worse than that? What if you had been at the foot of the cross and maybe you had hurled insults into the face of Jesus? Maybe you were one who stood at the foot of the cross and said, you know, if you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. If you're the Son of God, save yourself. You saved others, you can't save yourself. Would the Lord have forgiven them had they done that and then repented and were baptized into Christ? You know what the answer is? Yes. Why? Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be saved. He's in the saving business. And God wants you to be one of His children. So if you're here today and you haven't obeyed the gospel, do what they did on Pentecost Day. If your faith is not what it ought to be or what you want it to be and you need the prayers of the church, then please let us pray for you. Let's pray with you and God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.